Hey, welcome to Cinema Scene on Gardner Webb University Radio, WGWG.org. I'm Noel T. Manning II, hanging out with... Mallory Moore. Mallory Moore. We are talking movies. Mallory is the uh, Broadcast Film Critics Association scholar this semester. The BFCA.org is where you can find out more information or criticschoice.com about the Broadcast Film Critics Association. Um, We talk movies every week, and we spend time giving you some background. Sometimes we have interviews with filmmakers. Uh, Other times we look at box office uh, hits and misses and give you some insight. And we also kind of dive back uh, from time to time and look at some older films or classic films. Yeah. And uh, sometimes DVD and Blu-ray releases. It just kind of depends, but we always talk movies. That's yep. that's the one constant uh, we, we spend time uh, happening and talking about. How are you, Mallory? <laughs> I'm doing good. Getting a little stressed with the as the semester goes on, but I'm I'm hanging in there, doing good, enjoying the warm weather finally. Yeah, so. yeah, it, it's finally starting to feel like spring uh, here in North Carolina. Yes. Uh, this this week anyway, we've had some um, some weird um, weird weather in March. It's felt a lot like February uh, during parts of March. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. So we're glad to kind of see what spring is going to going to feel like. Yeah. And I tell you, um, uh, the box office for spring has felt very much like summer. Um, Mm -hmm. I've been really amazed at um, some of the films, which we knew were going to have some some stellar openings and and do pretty well uh, at the box office in March. We're starting to see that happening earlier and earlier and earlier um, every year. And you're not, uh, you know, really once midwinter gets here, you can anticipate having one or two uh, really big films, but we've seen more than just one or two really big films since March opened. And uh, just a few of those to talk about. The Lego Batman movie uh, mm-hmm. did did incredibly well. Um, Logan uh, did incredibly well. Uh, Kong Skull Island is performing uh, solidly and will will definitely make its money back. Uh, Power Rangers, uh, which opened up last weekend, opened well. And then the big one, um, Beauty and the Beast, the yeah. live action version of this film, had the biggest March uh, opening ever, uh, with uh, over a hundred, I think, hundred and seventy million dollars for like opening weekend yeah uh record-setting so opening and um and that that was really i think it's the seventh largest opening of any film uh of all time wow which is pretty pretty solid um you know it beat out and look at the, some of the films that beat out uh, beat out batman superman dawn of justice which had a, a huge opening mm-hmm. uh harry potter and Death, deathly hollows part two iron man three finding dory it beat out all of those for for opening weekend. Mm. Uh, to put it in perspective, from a money making standpoint, worldwide, uh, this movie that had a hundred and sixty million dollar budget, which is actually kind of a low budget for this kind of film, hundred and sixty million does not sound low to me. But um, <laughs> yeah. for for a film that's uh, you know uh, a period piece, a, a piece that mm. also takes place uh, in a different country, and then lots you've got of effects, a, and, lots of yeah. effects. 160 million feels pretty low to me. Right. Um, but worldwide, this movie, after just a couple weeks, uh, 710.6 million dollars. Wow. Uh, after a couple weeks, and uh, in the U.S. alone, 326 million. So, these are the kinds of numbers that you would typically see in the summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to see them here in March is is just astounding. Yeah. It's astounding. Makes me wonder how much it's going to go up when we actually get to the summer. And yeah. 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 Yeah, because it's so. it's going to have a run for another few weeks. Right. This, this is going to do this is going to do well. Um, I, I'm really interested to see how long this holds on. It was number one last mm-hmm. week for the second week 
uh, in a row. It, uh, it, it beat out Kong Skull Island that was number one the previous week. And uh, Power Rangers had a pretty, uh, it debuted last week as well and did a, a pretty solid opening. But wow, I'm just, I'm just amazed at the amount of money. I knew that it would do well, but mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't think anybody really anticipated that kind of opening. Um, let's get your thoughts on this movie. Right. Um, it, it's, you know, the animated itself was a huge hit, right. huge classic. classic. Um, you know, Noel Manning actually starred in a uh, elementary school production of this <laughs> with his daughter when she was in fourth grade. Oh. I was Lumiere. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I sang, be our guest, be our guest, be our guest. Um, and so I, I can still remember the lyrics of some of those, and uh, I had to share those with our blind film critic last week. Did you have to do a French accent for I that? did. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was a French accent. I yeah. loved it. Uh, I wore the tuxedo, and I carried – I didn't dress like the, the candelabra, mm-hmm. but I um, got to carry some of those uh, little candles with me, so kind of cool. Um, but, yeah, uh, so let's get your thoughts on okay. this live-action and animation combined version of mm-hmm. Beauty and the Beast 2017. Yeah, um, you know, you're saying it's a, a remake of a classic, and I think a lot of people were kind of questioning that. You know, why mess with a classic? But if you think about it, you know, the original um, animated Beauty and the Beast is itself a remake. You know, this this is a older story that comes from uh, French folklore, and it's been done a lot of times, not... Um, and, you know, not, not all of those remakes have been as popular as that, you know, the Disney animated classic. But there have been uh, novels that kind of play off this story and other um, movies and TV shows. So it's always going to it's one of those stories that's just good enough to get redone over and over again. Um, and it is hard to compete with something as good as Beauty and the Beast. Um, the, the original. Version? Yeah, okay. the, it is hard to compete with that. Um <laughs> the original version Um, and it's hard not to compare them but I do think that um, being live action there there are some things that uh, they were able to add that they didn't you know accomplish with as great as it was that they didn't accomplish with that the animated um, movie and I think also this is probably one of my uh, favorite so far of the live action Disney remakes there's been a couple over the past few years like Um, Maleficent and Cinderella um, and I just like what they did with this one more so than the others and how much they changed so some things that I liked um, that they added here with this live action remake were some of the the expansions to the story Um, they kind of give both Belle and the Beast more of a backstory um, which also allows for more character development for both of them and I know this film was getting a lot of attention before it came out um, with Emma Watson and how influential she is right now with the women's movement and right. with the feminist movement. And you can see um, her influence in that, um, in this, and how they give Belle more of a backstory, um, making her more of a complicated character, um, giving her more motivation. Um, they emphasize, you know, her education more mm-hmm. in this and her... Um, her interest in inventing and that kind of thing. Um, they also kind of go into the fact that in the classic animated movie, she doesn't have a mother. So they kind of explore that and, you know, what happened with her mom. Yeah. That's a Disney trait for, for a lot of, yeah. a lot of films. The, the mom either disappears or dies or something. Yeah. Or, you know, and, you know, they don't always address it. It's kind of, yeah. like, I don't think they mention it in the, the animated one. Um, they don't really say, you know, where her mom is. So they did address that in here. Um, 
And another thing that they were able to do with this live action one was um, just really bring those visuals to life. I mean, I guess an animated film in itself is so amazing. Um, I remember being a kid and being fascinated with the fact that people could draw that many pictures and turn it into, you know, a movie. Um, but with, with this, it was just pretty stunning to see those um, really uh, memorable scenes like, you know, the ballroom scene when they're dancing or just the opening shots of the castle to see those. Um, and it looks like they're real life. It's not, you know, animated anymore. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. And I always forget until I actually go see a movie in the theater how stunning it can be to see a movie on a big screen because yeah. most of the time, you know, I just see movies on Netflix from my laptop right, screen. Right. So, yeah. so if, you know, if you're kind of thinking, well, I'll wait till it comes out, you know, and I'll rent it or Redbox or Netflix or whatever. For this one, I would definitely recommend, you know, paying for the movie ticket yeah. and going um, to the theater to see it on the big screen. I think it's definitely worth it in this case. Yeah, there so. are some films, I will echo this, that are big screen kinds of films that um, that you really will benefit from from paying the extra money to, to see it mm-hmm. in that environment, not just the screen, but also having a good sound system that's yeah. designed for, for those kinds of big screen mm-hmm. experiences. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and this one, evidently, a lot of people are agreeing with you when we're looking at these box office numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, there are people already going back for, uh, for second for sec- viewings wow. uh, and some third viewing. So mm-hmm. it's... Um, it's been a. It's probably goes back to the Force Awakens when I um, last heard somebody really talking about. Wow, this is one of those movies that almost as soon as it's over, people are wanting to go back and see mm-hmm. it again. Did you feel that kind of same way that you wanted to watch it again? Um, not you know an immediate. Oh, I have right. to pay and go to the next yeah, show yeah, right yeah, away. Yeah. But yeah, it's definitely something that I am going to want to see again because it's a lot, you know, to take in. Um, mm-hmm. You go in thinking you know what's going to happen, thinking you know the story, but there are so many little tweaks to the story, to the characters, to the set design that it's a lot to, you know, take in the first time. So it's definitely something I want to go back and give another uh, viewing. So, Give me your, uh, any negatives uh, you know, it was a little difficult for me to get used to the those animated, um, well, I guess in this, they're not animated, they're CGI, right, the household right. objects. Mm-hmm. Um, there was just, I guess it's because their faces aren't as clear. Maybe I like okay. to, if something's talking, I like to be able to see their face and the right, facial movements. Right. Um, they all had, you know, very intricate designs um, going back to Lumiere and mm-hmm. the candelabra. You can see like the designs on that candlestick and then um, Mrs. Potts and Chip were, you know, painted nicely. Um, So they looked really beautiful, but I guess it was just uh, something different to get used to when you're used to seeing the animated version where they're, um, they've got clear faces. Right, Um, right. But I can imagine that would have been difficult to try to figure out, you know, how are we going to make these characters come to life? Um, So that was just something I wasn't too sure how I felt about. Maybe I'll change my opinion when I watch it again. Um, another thing was there are a few new songs added to this, which right. makes sense. Um, I think it's about 45 minutes longer yeah, exactly. I was than the original. Mm-hmm. Right. So like I said, they could expand the story and they've also got the opportunity to add more music. Um, and I 
growing up, I was always a big fan of musicals. And um, a few years after the animated Beauty and the Beast came out, they did um, turn it into a stage musical right. for Broadway. And with that, there were also new songs added to make it into a, you know, two, two and a half hour show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was kind of disappointed that in this one, they didn't use the songs that 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 had already been rewritten, rewritten okay. for the Broadway version. Um, you know, those kind of have a special place, you know, with me. Um, right. So you saw the Broadway version. I didn't, I haven't seen it. Um, just listened to it. Right. I've seen okay. clips, um, listened to the soundtrack. Um, but I just, after hearing the new songs that they wrote for the movie, I wasn't too impressed with them compared to okay. this other repertoire of songs that they have for the Broadway version. So I kind of wish they had included those rather than writing all new ones. Um, and I guess that sort of was a baggage for me going mm-hmm. in. I, you know, I heard them start to sing these new songs and I was kind of thinking, well, these aren't very good compared yeah. to what I'm used to. Right. But again, it's something, um, that my opinion might change on when I see it again. Right. And right. other people have really liked, um, the new music in this one. So, yeah. well, Disney's classic version, the animated version was, uh, 1991. Yep. And you were talking about the time, uh, the length of the film. That was an hour and 24 minutes. The mm-hmm. new film, two hours, nine minutes. So you're right. Yeah. About 45 extra minutes that mm-hmm. you can do stuff. Now, I've heard a few um, complaints about the beast, the face of the beast, because um, I, I've, I, will, I will say I've not had a chance to see this yet. I've had uh, a lot of life things going on that have kept <laughs> me from doing that. But um, the Beast uh, has a heavily animated face at times. Right. Uh, talk a little bit about that and your thoughts on on that. And did that bother you? Did it not bother you? I was not bothered by the face of the Beast. And, you know, I'm thinking back to um, the, I don't know what makes me think of this, but in like the 1980s or something, um, there was a PBS version of the Chronicles of Narnia, mm-hmm. um, which I grew up watching, and all of the animals, because um, there were talking animals in Narnia, you know, all of the animals there were um, real-life people in animal costumes, or they were puppets um, sometimes. And they, of course, those look more like real animals um, right. than something CGI, because you can see, you know, like the textures right, of their right. fur or whatever. But in something like that, it's almost like I prefer CGI and okay. animation to these puppets or costumes that look real. Okay. Um, I guess it's because when they look that real, you kind of know, oh, that's a person in a costume. Um, but, yeah, I wasn't bothered by okay. it. Um, I thought it worked pretty well in this case. I, I wasn't really paying attention so much to that, though, so maybe be another thing I could go back and look at and see. Okay. Yeah, but it didn't stick out to me yeah, when I saw um, it. Let me ask you this. Did you see um, Rogue One? I did. You did? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, there were uh, a couple of characters that where they used have a, you know, they, they used CGI. Mm-hmm. Uh, Princess Leia was one. Yes. And, um, and, and that was a little freaky. <laughs> okay. And then, and then General case. Tarkin was, was yeah. the other. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about your thoughts on those because I'm getting to a point, but I just want to ask your thoughts on mm-hmm. those. You've already shared a little that you mm-hmm. thought Princess Leia was freaky. So, <laughs> yeah. um, so tell me what mm-hmm. you thought about those two, if you remember. Yeah. With, I remember when General Tarkin um, came on screen, I didn't realize at first um, that it was CGI. And I thought, that that guy's still alive. That guy still looks like that. Um, 
And then the more I watched it, I was like, okay, I can, I started noticing this does not look like a real person, but it wasn't so glaringly obvious. Um, I think with Princess Leia, it was um, more obvious that this is CGI and it kind of freaked me out to see someone that on the one hand looks so real, but at the same time looks so computer generated. Um, I guess any time that you have that close connection between real life and either computer or robotics or animation, it can get a little, like I said, freaky or scary to how um, close to life it looks. Um, but with her, I I guess it kind of jolted me a little more because I thought that can't be an actress. It looks right. too much like right. um, like her. So. Yeah, I, I think and the reason I'm asking that is I, I, I think the difference between both of those bothered me. I mean, watching, right. you know, watching Tarkin and also watching Leia, both of those bothered me because they still haven't quite perfected mm-hmm. the human element of it. And, and part of that, the, um, I could really tell it with uh, Tarkin's eyes and mouth. Mm-hmm. Those did not look fluid and organic mm-hmm. to me. And in the same way with, with Leia, um, I think they could have done it without having the the close-ups and the long shots on them, I think it could have worked yeah. even better. Um, but when you're talking human to human, and we mm-hmm. still haven't quite gotten there yeah. yet, it, there really is, mm-hmm. um, it's like you're watching a video game. Yeah. And now, when you're talking about creatures, or you're talking about, you know, non-human entities, mm-hmm. CGI does not bother me as much there. Sure, yeah. I can tell the difference, but it doesn't bother me as much as it does when you're trying to replicate humans mm-hmm. within a world of humans. You know, right. if it was all done with 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 a CGI, um, I think back to some of the interesting things they did with Beowulf, mm-hmm. uh, where that film was um, it was shot in live action, but then they did some interesting animation things on top of that. That didn't bother me because it was it was fluid throughout the whole film. Mm-hmm. But um, but with with Rogue One, that was my my pet peeve in Rogue One, mm-hmm. and. Um, so I think, you know, I think as long as you can stay away from trying to replicate humans uh, and do it in these close-ups, I mean, you can do them in long shots and you do them in special effect shots. We've been seeing mm-hmm. that uh, quite a bit with action films anyway, right. where there's certain things that actual superheroes can't, humans <laughs> yeah. can't do. So you mm-hmm. can make it happen in a computer and it's fine. Mm-hmm. It plays in that world. But um, yeah, that that was, uh, I want to get your thoughts on, on that movie yeah. um, and as that kind of ties back into the beast because the beast mm-hmm. is not a, a human character. Yeah. So it's it doesn't stand out as much, you know, when you're expecting to see a human um like in Rogue One and you, instead you get these figures like you said there's something quite off or a little mm-hmm. bit off whether it's in the the movements, the facial features, whatever. Um but then yeah, with a something like the beast, you're not really expecting it to be human, so it's not as um off-putting, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, let's get your grade for Beauty and the Beast. Oh, great. Okay, so scale <laughs> 1 to 10, um, um, probably a 7. Okay, all right. Not, not too bad. Yeah. 7 for Beauty and the Beast 2017 version with, uh, with Hermione. Um, <laughs> and, uh, oh, wow, there's a huge, a lot yeah, of actors. Yeah, it's a great cast. Both yeah. some, I guess, newer names that have sort of popped up, you know, as I've grown up with my generation, but then also some classic actors that have um you know been around for a while and have done lots of different things so it was nice to see a mix um 
but everyone was really strong. Yeah, so. some, some great uh, voice talent as well. I mean, you've mm-hmm. got uh, Ian McKellen is in this, Stanley yes. Tushi, Ewan McGregor, um, Kevin Klein, uh, Luke Evans, Emma Watson, of course, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and Emma Thompson. Let's talk yeah. about Emma Thompson. <laughs> well, whenever I have to talk about either Emma Watson or Emma Thompson, yep. I always have to pause for a second and think to make sure I get the last name right because right. there's something that always makes me mix them up, even though I know the difference between them. Um, but yeah, Emma Thompson, um, <laughs> <Good job. laughs> playing, uh, the voice of, uh, Mrs. Potts. And then of course, at the end, when the curse is broken and everyone comes back to life, she also had, you know, a short, um, role in which she was actually, you, um, acting, um, not just using right. her voice. Right. Um, and I saw a few years ago, I think like two or three years ago, um, they did, Sweeney Todd in concert and she played Mrs. Lovett and that was my first time seeing her sing um so I I knew she could sing and I think she did a pretty good job with this I saw um I think the day after it came out someone had posted that they're on Facebook that their only complaint was that no one can sing um uh, the title song Beauty and the Beast quite like Angela Lansbury yeah. and you know that I guess that's true um she is the voice we're used to hearing when we when we hear the song but I think um Emma Thompson did fantastic um I didn't have any complaints about that so well, well Emma Thompson has a long history with an actor by the name of Kenneth Branagh yes <laughs> and um we've been talking about Kenneth Branagh um kind of off off mic, and mm-hmm. um, you've, you've got a chance to check out an Emma. I, did. I mean, not an Emma. Look at me, a Kenneth Branagh film. Uh, yeah. He loves Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if he could do nothing but Shakespeare, he'd probably just <laughs> just eat it alive. And he's done quite a few films of Shakespeare as yeah. well as stage plays. And you got a chance to check out an older film. I did uh, that. He did. Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So um, I had actually seen the uh, Kenneth Branagh's four-hour Hamlet film. Um, I watched that in high school, not all of it, um, just some parts of it. And then finally got around to watching the whole thing and I loved it. And I just thought, you know, there's something, um, so good about the way that he reads those lines, um, things that people are very familiar with. Um, you know, the Hamlet, uh, monologue is something most people recognize, even if they can't tell you what it's from. Um, the to be or not to be speech, but I just thought he, with Hamlet, he also directed it. So, um, I thought it was such a good interpretation. Um, so then I thought I need to, you know, check out some more of his work, especially his Shakespeare stuff. So I watched a couple weeks ago over my spring break, um, his Othello from 1995, I think. Uh, let me see. Yeah. 1995. Yeah, it sure was. So, um, and with that one, I was not familiar with it. I felt kind of like a bad uh, English major because I okay. hadn't right. had never read Othello before. So I kind of had to do some um, pre-planning or pre-work before okay. watching this film, kind of look up right. the little summary um, with it. And it's one of those, I think this goes for a lot of Shakespeare plays, where in the first few minutes, you're kind of like, okay, what's going on? Who is who? How are they related? Who's on what side? It takes you a few minutes to get into it. But once you do, um, the plot of Othello is very simple. Um, It's basically a revenge, jealousy, vengeance type story. Um, And Kenneth Branagh plays Iago, which is um, probably one of Shakespeare's um, most notorious and evil villains. Um, 
and Iago just absolutely hates the general Othello and decides to convince him, to convince Othello that his wife is cheating on him and in that way to drive Othello crazy. And with this one, as much as I do love Kenneth Branagh and I love listening to him uh, recite Shakespeare, uh, there was a part of me that wished he had almost played it more evil. Okay. Um, okay. And it might just be because he just, you know, he's a good looking guy. He doesn't look too <laughs> evil. He just looks, you know, really nice when you see him on screen. So that might have played a part of it. But I did enjoy the film. Um, you know, it's not something that other people, my friends and my peers, when we talk about going to see movies, I think a lot of people my age, we want to see you know, action and right, something right. very intense, fast paced, which kind of fits how our lives are going right now mm-hmm. with technology and everything. Um, so not everyone is going to like this, but I certainly do. I like slowing down, um, really getting into a drama, getting into the dialogue and having to pay attention and figure out how things are connected and, Um, just really getting emotionally invested in a film. And I think that's another thing Kenneth Branagh is good at um, providing for the audience because he is such a good actor that he makes it easy to emotionally invest yourself in the film and to really care about the characters and to really wonder what's going to happen next and how is this going to turn out in the end. Yeah, and and it is is, um, performed in the Shakespearean uh, English as mm -hmm. well. Um, and so, uh, you know, expect that it's not a, it's not a modern day interpretation right. of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, what grade did you give that? Um, on a scale of one to de- one to 10, probably an eight out of 10. Okay. So. All right. Excellent. Well, uh, we don't have time to talk much more, but I do want to let everyone know that opening up uh, in wide release this weekend, if you're looking for animation, uh, the boss baby, uh, is being released with uh, the voices of uh, Alec Baldwin, Steve Buscemi, and Lisa Kudrow. Uh, that's opening and wide release this weekend, just a little over an hour and a half long. And uh, also opening Ghost in the Shell, a sci-fi film with Scarlett Johansson. Uh, that will be opening and wide release this weekend as well. It is a comic book adaptation. And then uh, if you're looking for re-release, um, this is an old one, uh, 2017 re-release in um, select theaters, uh, Donnie Darko, uh, with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, Patrick Swayze, Drew Barrymore. Uh, that will be uh, uh, coming out in a re-release, and that's opening in uh, just limited limited um, places, as well as The Zookeeper's Wife uh, this weekend as well, uh, with Jessica Chastain. Uh, that's in limited release this weekend. Um, you can uh, check out uh, all sorts of things by just going to WGWG.org, listening to our music. You can check out a lot of our on-demand programming, including uh, this show through SoundCloud. But just go to WGWG.org and, uh, and check out all that we've got available. And you can also email us there as well. I'm Noel Manning, and that is... Mallory Moore. And you've been listening to Cinema Scene right here on WGWG.org. Till next time, that is a wrap.